Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Our sermon text for this morning is our second lesson from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. But before we look at that, I want you to look at our lesson from Acts chapter 2, and I want you to consider some of the things that went on. And I want you to think about, uh, for a moment, the things that still we see happen today and the things that we don't. What are some of the differences between then, on that first Pentecost, and now in the church? Because we don't see people with flames of fire, tongues of fire above their heads anymore. We don't see people just spring up and start talking in different languages to thousands of people gathered to them from around the world. We don't hear the rushing of a wind inside of the church here to signify the presence of the Holy Spirit. And yet we do see some similarities. We do see the gift of the Holy Spirit promised to the church by the Savior. We do see the Spirit call and enlighten people by the Gospel to bring them to faith and bring them into the church after changing their hearts. And we do see how people use their gifts given them by the Holy Spirit to work glory to God and for building His church. You see, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, He didn't just promise that the church could borrow it for that day. It was not like it was just a loan to His disciples for that day to get a kickstart. This was a gift for the church for always. And it's a gift that's still around today, and it's a gift that is still very irreplaceable for the church today. Because as we look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we'll see how the Holy Spirit still works for the church. How he still brings people into the church, including how he brought you and me into the church. And how he equips God's people in the church to bring glory to God by using those gifts to further the mission that he's given his church here in this world. What Paul talks about in our lesson today really is nothing short of a miracle for us. Jesus promised his Holy Spirit to the church before he left, and the church wouldn't. The church can't succeed in this world without the help of the Holy Spirit. It can't continue without that precious gift from our Savior. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that grows the church. The people of the church are certainly His instruments. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through the gospel that actually changes hearts, completes the work of faith inside of people. Listen to what Paul says in our first verse for today. When he writes, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You have to be aware that Jesus be cursed is everything that we are by nature. You see, there's nothing good in the sinful nature. And everybody that has the sinful nature has that same attitude toward Jesus Christ naturally. Originally, Their original sin causes them to look on their Savior and their Christ and to say, Fui on you. 
Just before this, Paul talks about how the people of Corinth, when they were still in that state, they were heathens following after idols that were mute. They, they were nothing. They were useless. Wood and stone and all that garbage. They were, by their actions, their confessions, basically saying, Jesus, be cursed. And so when he opens up now with verse 3 where we start, he's basically telling them, look, before we get into the spiritual gifts, let's get one thing straight. You are part of the church. You have to remember what you were before and now. You aren't that anymore, but you're part of a body of which you are just a member. And then he gets into the spiritual gifts after that. But he makes it very clear that the only way you can get into this church is by the power of the Holy Spirit calling and enlightening you. There were even some firm Jewish believers around that didn't believe after the gospel was taught to them. They refused to believe it. There were many Jews, even on that day, who still followed the way of the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, Jesus can't be it. It's not like Peter got up and preached and miraculously every single Jew there believed. It's sad, but there were some who refused the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit to the elect came on that day, and we even hear that over 3,000 later in after Peter's Pentecost sermon, we hear that 3,000 of them were added to their number that day. And look at the difference in those hearts. Look at the change in those hearts that the Holy Spirit made by His power to, to those who were the elect. The same difference was made when you and me, when you and I, excuse me, came to believe. That's the same change of heart that the Holy Spirit had to give you and me to be able to come into the church and to exclaim with all of our faith, Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the promise God made in Ezekiel when he promised to give his people new hearts, not not a heart of stone. He said this to the prophet, he said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is the change of heart God was talking about. And Paul makes it clear that that change is only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Because everything that you were is exactly what God doesn't want and can't have for his people. Everything that you were was an enemy of God, pushing against him, pushing him away, and refusing to accept that you were a sinner who needed his help and that he was a God who loved you and wanted to save you. It was in the sinful heart of yours, this heart of stone, that you said, Jesus, be cursed. But that changed. Thanks to the sending of the Holy Spirit to you. That changed because the Holy Spirit took that heart of stone which cursed Jesus and he changed it into that heart of flesh. He he does what we can't do. He has the power to do what we, as mere humans, have no power to do. And like the disciples on Pentecost, we bring the word out to the world, which is all that we can do, which is all God asks us to do. And it's the Holy Spirit who changes the hearts of those elect who need to be brought into the fold, just as you and I, too, were brought into the fold by the power of that promised Spirit. 
So whereas before you said Jesus be cursed and wanted nothing to do with him, the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel. He's called you and brought you to faith. He's gotten you to know. He's gotten you to understand the love of God and his love for you in Jesus Christ and his salvation for you in Jesus' death and his resurrection. And more than that, not only has he changed your heart of stone toward him, but this heart of stone has now been changed to love others around you. And he's equipped you for that purpose. The Holy Spirit has changed your heart from one despising to wanting to glorify God in all of your actions with those around you. See, he's equipped you with gifts. Every Christian is equipped with different gifts to serve God in his capacity. I don't want to focus too much on the gifts that Paul talks about here. You know, a lot of these gifts might seem foreign. They might not seem the same today. A lot of these gifts were gifts that were given to the early Christian church for reasons to help the church grow because they didn't have the whole Scripture New Testament put together as we do. So I don't want to sit here and focus too much on what each of these gifts mean, such as, um, you know, what it means to, to have the gift of faith when all Christians have faith. You know, a lot of people think this was an extra uh, gift to help healing or, or something like that. Others said the gift of discerning spirits, uh, meaning be able to discern the good spirits in a congregation and the bad, or to be able to speak in different tongues and languages and be able to translate that. Uh, we don't see as much of that today, at least in not, not in the capacity that we do here. But Paul talks about gifts that we are more familiar with in other places. In Romans 12, for example, he talks about serving, teaching, encouraging, leading, even giving and just showing mercy. Those are all to be done as everything else in a Christian's life is to be done, and that's to the glory of the Lord. Every gift is given as the Holy Spirit sees fit. Everyone may have a different one, but the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit has given those gifts to everyone so that in every circumstance we might be able to serve the Lord as the holy Christian church in every capacity. And so those different gifts are there from the same spirits that we all save the serve the same Savior, and so that we all work in this world for God as He works through us in the gifts the Holy Spirit has blessed us with. You see, the Corinthian church was a church that was full of division. If you read through Corinthians... Especially up until this point now, you hear about lawsuits among each other. You hear about uh, questions about what to do with incest. You hear questions about uh, what to do with uh, who to follow because they're arguing about which apostle or which pastor, basically, to follow and, and things like that. The Corinthian church is very divided and they weren't using their gifts for the common good, as Paul calls it, inside the church like they were supposed to. And so Paul writes to him in such a way that you can tell us as a question. He says, you know, about the, the spiritual gifts now. I, I want to talk to you about those. This whole time, Paul's talking to a church and correcting a church that has been divided in so many ways. And now he says, look, first and foremost, about these spiritual gifts, you have to understand you're all part of the church called by the Holy Spirit to serve Jesus. 
And here now, these gifts are for that purpose, to bring glory to Jesus, to grow the church, and to serve one another. And he especially gets into that when he shows that the greatest gift of all is love. It's sad then when someone takes such a wonderful blessing from the Holy Spirit and tries to turn it into an instrument of personal gain or selfishness. It's so easy to take our personal gifts from the Holy Spirit and become so puffed up with them that we decide to serve ourselves or compare ourselves to others and how poor their gifts are compared to ours or to not use them for the church or maybe try to even use them to, to uh, promote ourselves as being better than the other church down the street. You see, our gifts are not meant to make ourselves look better. They're not meant to make our church more competitive. And they're not there so that we can compare gifts with each other. They're there, Paul says, as a gift from the Spirit, each as the Spirit sees fit. That doesn't mean that anyone is less important than the other because Paul, he says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We are all called by that Holy Spirit promised by Jesus to profess Jesus is Lord. We are part of one body and team with the same goal. To show the love and forgiveness that's been shown to us and to bring Jesus to those who still need him. Whether they're in our church and they need that comfort and the, the uh, remembering of what Jesus has done for their sins. Or whether they're outside the church and they've never heard what Jesus has done for their sins. The Holy Spirit causes us to claim Jesus as Lord in both circumstances. This is why we continue always to stay in the Word because the Holy Spirit works through the power of the Gospel. You know, Paul says about the Gospel, it's the power of God for all who believe. And he says faith comes from hearing the message and the message is served through the Word of Christ. So we push to stay in the Gospel. From getting our infant children baptized as soon as possible to receiving the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as often as it's offered here at church. As much as we hear the Word, as much as we come in contact with it through the sacraments, the Holy Spirit can fix hearts. He can remind us of the forgiveness in Jesus Christ and keep us in the one true faith, otherwise lost on us. From infant baptism, preaching the Gospel, to the most hardened sinners. He brings people into the church every single day, turning those hearts of stone into those hearts of flesh. And so from speaking publicly to comforting our fellow believer in the pew next to us, our brother and sister in the faith, or simply encouraging or giving, the Holy Spirit keeps God's church functioning in love for the common good of our Savior and for the glory of His promise in this world of salvation through Him. We use our gifts as believers brought in by the Holy Spirit, blessed by the Holy Spirit, so that we might use them to God's glory, not our own. These are His. They've been given for a good purpose, and we want to use them for that. The Holy Spirit has given us these because without Him and these gifts from Him, the church cannot grow. Without the Holy Spirit aiding us every step of the way in this world, the church will be kind of at a stalemate and will do nothing. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that the church will succeed in this world. 
So when we see the Spirit come to the disciples at Pentecost, and we see how the Holy Spirit still today comes and gives us gifts to be able to share the gospel and to be able to bring it to those around us, both in pew and out of the church, we thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We continue to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit as we remember our baptism, as we come to the Lord's Supper, as we sit with devotions at home, asking that the Holy Spirit work faith in our hearts and continue to grow that faith in our Savior and what He's done for us. As we look at the Holy Spirit and what He's capable of, we thank our God that He has, through grace in Jesus Christ, sent us this gift and brought us into the church that we might be able every day to ask Come Holy Spirit, rekindle in us the fire of your love because through the Holy Spirit and by the gifts that he's given, others along with us might be able to proclaim Jesus as Lord and every mouth that claims calls on the name of the Lord, including you and I, shall be saved. Amen.